Hello, everyone. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. We speak with industry leaders, introducing you to some of the most interesting people and businesses today. We're focused on women, money, and power, as well as diversity in all areas. I'm Beth Hilbing, co-CEO. And I'm Diane Gubin, co-CEO of C-Suite. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. This week, we are so happy to speak with Melinda Chalia, who is the CEO of Tailored for Growth. So Melinda is the founder and president of the firm, and it's, she's a fractional CFO working with industries including entertainment, consumer products, retail technology, and professional services. Melinda brings a deep understanding of finance, operations, technology, legal and risk management, human resources, and the profitability levers that impact a company's overall brand and customer experience. Working with growth-oriented companies, Melinda also serves as the audit chair on the board of WAG. And today, we're going to be speaking with Melinda about how her sense of curiosity in delighting customers has woven its way into her CFO roles and consulting practice. Welcome, Melinda. Hi. So we'll just jump in there. So you've led a lot of financial roles at both international tech companies and beauty companies um, owned by Target. What was your journey to get there and and what prepared you for those very large roles that you took on? Yeah. What makes Melinda Melinda? (laughs) Oh, you know what? It's one of these situations where, you know what? Mine's not a straight journey, right? I don't think any one of us really has those straight journey, but that's the journey of life, right? The theme is about creating and building. Um, I've just been curious. I've always been like trying to tinker in and figure out how to make things happen. Um, You know, fortunately for me, um, my father was an engineer. And I grew up hearing him talk at the dinner table about how we could support and create the visions of architects. And, you know, he worked for the city, um, at city in Southern California and he'd come home at night and it would be, how do I make this happen? How do I make this happen while also ensuring like the safety of everything that's going on? And, you know, so much about that, how to sort of question that he tinkered with, um, and can do right attitude that he had has really formed my attitude and ethos in my career. And so I started my career out in EY and, you know, especially I had a lot of clients in the M&A space, right. As I entered EY um, in the entertainment space. And I quickly found myself like really being like sitting in with these companies going, how are they going to integrate this company? How are they going to integrate this new company that they're going and purchasing? And I wanted to get into it. And uh, so I left UI and I went into the entertainment business. I was at Disney when they were starting up Hollywood Records, oh, wow. mainstream record company. Um, they had been operating sort of like basically it was music to um, to put into films. And now they really wanted to build a mainstream company. And so we created a team. I went in there as their first finance person and we created from scratch and I spent two years there. And then I got pulled over to Virgin Records working with Richard Branson and his companies as their controller and head of finance and really a creative environment. And, you know, if there's any environment where you can sit there and um, really focus in on how to make something happen and you constantly get the questions, well, we, why not? Like, why not? Let's make it happen. And so that is so much about what's cultured, um, you know, my attitude, um, and, you know, my journey to a tech company, a large scale international tech company was really from a colleague, somebody that I had met at EY that had founded this company. And he said, I really need some CFO help. We had been presented with this opportunity to really help low income customers receive, um, technology, receive, you know, a, a mobile phone. Um, it's basically the subsidized, um, phone. And we were charged with 
how do we bring that to the population and how do we make sure that a, a company can actually provide those services? And we hired a team in Buenos Aires. We really built out that infrastructure. We really focused on how to make this happen. We are curious. Kind of goes back to that idea of curious and can-do attitude, right? Right. Yeah, curious and and net and your network. That's what I'm actually really hearing <laughs> is that people in your network were the ones who said, "Melinda, I need you come." Yeah, and that also, it, truth be told, my next iteration after I was seven years at Emerios, really going and doing that. I had a business colleague of mine that had been just hired to head up Derm Store. And she called me up and she said, I need some help, right? I need, I would really love you to come in as a CFO and head of operations and help me grow this company. It's a successful company, $100 million in revenue. How do we really, how do we triple it? How, like, what can we not do? Like, let's do this. And, you know, I didn't have experience in operations at that point in time. I'd been in technology, professional services, entertainment. But again, like, why not? Right. Like it's, how do you make this happen? And, you know, fortunately for us, um, you know, three years later at the beginning of 2021, we were able to transact. We were able to sell the company. Um, Target was owned by Target and we sold it to the Huck group. And um, at that point in time, I basically was, you know, what do I want to do here now? And it's consult. So right now I'm providing CFO services to emerging businesses. Um, that's really my key focus. And that's great. Mold your career. And you're doing board work. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I am. Yeah. It was interesting when you said you worked in the music industry because I worked at Warner Music. Did you? When Warner Music Group was, yeah. So it is an interesting experience. So that's nice. We'll have to chat sometime about that. But um, how did you transition and decide you wanted to do board work, as Diane was saying? Right. Because so many of our women want boards. Yeah, you know what? It was um, sort of in this along the way. You know, I mean, as many of us have in our roles, we've presented to boards, right? We've been definitely involved in, you know, either preparing decks, preparing information, or presenting. And um, and so that experience, you know, I had that experience within my career. And during this point, after we had sold Derm Store, you know, I was looking in at what I wanted to do, and I felt I had this valuable sort of insight that I wanted to share. And so that was basically sort of my journey of, let me, you know, really share that knowledge from a consulting CFO perspective, and then also from a board perspective. And, you know, that in and of itself, so much of that is, is network, right? We've talked about this, I think, offline a little bit as well, that, you know, it's really getting that word out there um, and sharing that. We love it. We love it. So as a fractional CFO, how can we support you in, in that work that you're doing? Like the business is just there for you. Are you looking for more fast growth companies? Like where, where is it that you're taking this at this point? And where would a company hire, you know, what, at what point do you want them to hire your services? Yeah. A, a great, great questions. Um, the, it's, um, Really, it's any company that's. I've got companies, clients that are pre-revenue. I've got companies that are in a you know Series C level, right? Um, it's basically anywhere where you've got a company that's operating and growing, or maybe not thriving, but really needs those services, really needs that insight of a CFO. Many times, that's not the first hire, right? Your first hire when you've raised, let's just say you've just um, you've just funded, and you're going to make sure that you can create your product, your product iteration, and you're going to go and look to like, how do I market it? How do I get those services out? But you need to have somebody who's going to help you really operate there or view that business and really focus in on the KPIs, your cash runway. 
in today's market, cash runway is really key. So, you know, I always tell clients, you know, um, if you need, you know, I'm happy to sit there and, and sit in on meetings. I'm happy to, to provide services where we'll help you create a budget. It could also be we're reviewing and I'm giving you insights as to, hey, this as you're looking at your business, how does this compare to other like businesses, right? And, and just giving sort of insights and tweaks where needed. So it can be anywhere from, you know, you know, brand new, recently funded company to one that's operating quite well, but just needs, again, that insight. I love the cat, the operating runway. And what, what other, what, wearing your uh, crystal ball hat, what else are you telling your clients in 2023? <laughs> Cash flow is king. <laughs> oh my God. Do you know, okay. I might be in a different business if I had that crystal ball insight to tell you the truth. <laughs> Don't we? I mean, there's so much going on right now with yes. in, the, in the industry, right? It's in such a state of flux. And, um, you know, there's been a shift, right? There's been so much in the last couple of years, which is really a keen focus in on revenue. How do you grow revenue? Um, and to some companies, it's almost been at whatever it costs, right? It didn't, it, it wasn't the most, the most important lever was really growth of, re- of revenue. And now it's much more about profitability when you talk to VCs and, and PE and really kind of going back to our fundamentals of like how to operate a business. It's, it's really that profitability piece of it. So, um, the key for, for me right now and the advice that I'm giving is, you know, how do we get to that point where we see that line of profitability and where are margins make sense, right? What are those tweaks and nuances? Um, and how do you, um, you know, and, you know, in an ideal scenario, you know, that, that kind of tidbit when people go, what's that one little bit, one little crystal line, you know, to the extent that you can ensure you've got 12 to 18 months worth of cash, right? And, and that runway, right? That's very, very key because, Fundraising right now is a little difficult, right? You've got a lot of firms that are, you know, just holding tight, looking at their portfolio. And so you don't know when that opportunity is going to exist. And so you've got to be prepared for it, but you've also, but you've got to conserve cash as much as possible. So, you know, that 12 to 18 month runway is really, really key. So, you know, cash is king um, and, um, you know, be really, really careful. Yeah. So a lot of our CEO entrepreneurs that are starting businesses have said it's been really hard for them to get funding and they feel that it's directly related to women entering and getting funding. Do you, do you think that's true? And, and have you seen that kind of loosen up? You know, I think I saw a stat today that the percentage of female founders that is, um, you know, getting funded is, you know, sub anything we would want to see, For right? Sure. We would want to see it be 50%, right? I think it, you know, last <laughs> month or something, it was like one point, it was like, agreed, like 1.2% or something. I mean, and that's not a quote that, you know, I, I wouldn't want to take that everywhere, but there's the percentage of um, funding going to females is unfortunately lower than it, it, it should be. And um, we need to ensure that, I mean, there's funds that are focused in on female founders, right? There really is. Um, in you know technology, in wellness, in many different industries, and what I love to see is you've got large retailers that are actually ensuring they've got funding available to um, either startups and new brands that they're bringing in. Think a Target, a Walmart, a Sephora, many of those. So there's funding that's available. It's just hard to unlock, right? You've got to be able to get to that point where you're moving and you're running it's and getting in the door for sure. Yeah, yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. And, and so, um, do you think this is a st- systemic issue just across the whole VC 
PE angel investing landscape? Or, or is there specific advice do you think that women need in order to go get that funding? You know, I think so much of it is us supporting each other to a great degree, right? It really is. It's building (laughs) completely. It is. It's building that community and building those connections and um, really, truly, um, you know, providing those introductions. Um, I have a client that I've been working with that um, I just, just even like two days ago, I reached out to a friend of mine who's in the VC world and in a, a female forward sort of investing capacity and said, I just, I want to make the introduction. I know, and I understand that the timing may not be right for you from a deploy perspective, but let's at least start building those connections. Um, and I think that we need to make those connections. We also need to be open to those connections and just continuing to, you know, spread that, spread that because it, it, it will happen. It will, our voice will spread, right. And those opportunities will. Yeah, that's great. Diana and I always say that if, if you're at the table, you should bring someone with you, right? Mm-hmm. You should always be thinking of others to bring along as well. And that doesn't always happen in the woman world, but it should for sure. Which is part of C-suite and what we're doing. Exactly. We're just bring, 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 we pull everybody up. We bring our emerging leaders <laughs> and we create a community here for sure. And creating the roundtables that you create, right? Where right. it truly is about harnessing that shared knowledge and being able to spread that and share that because, you know, I may not know that my connection is going to help you, for instance, with something that you're dealing with today. But in that shared roundtable, we get to, that ability to share that, those questions, those issues and help each other. Right. And creating additional seats for women on boards. Yes. So if you're on a board, whether it's you personally or the general you, right, it's can you bring another woman on? Can they add an extra seat at the table for whatever the skill set needed is? Oh, I absolutely think it could happen. I mean, I can just yeah. tell you just even from WAG, right? I came on board with with WAG as their um, audit chair in 2021, and I was the second independent board member. So um, I came on along with Jocelyn Mangan, who was helping really to lead that charge as well um, with him for her. I mean, there's, there's you are, many organizations are really helping to ensure that women are sitting on boards. And so- at that point in time, it was a full male board, right? A lot of investors, private company. Um, and now let's fast forward a year and a half, right? We're a public company and we have an over 50% share of women. We've got four of the it. seven board seats with women with a diverse population. And so absolutely fantastic. And so much about that is, at, you know, it's twofold, right? It's, it's women sharing those opportunities mm-hmm. and really, and you know, sitting at those seats and having a voice and sharing their voice and, you know, the management team being open and ready to kind of bring in that, that team and have that shared perspective. That's great. So what are you focusing on for 2023? What are kind of your near-term goals that you're looking at this year? Oh my God. You know, it's the continued outreach from a board perspective, but I really do have one funny because I don't know about you, but I make these goals and, um, and then, you know, it's like three weeks later and I'm like, well, you know, I know there's one to lose weight, but what's the other ones, right? Um, and, um, so mine is my tagline is lead like an elephant. Okay. So this is really okay. funny. I, as I say that in juxtaposition to like lose a few pounds, but, um, lead like an elephant. So I was at this Stanford board consortium group and there was this professor, Huggy Rao, who shared this concept of like lead like an elephant. And it's really so simple because, you know, an elephant's a large animal, but it doesn't dominate by 
fear. It dominates. It, it really just, it leads by movement, right? And mm-hmm. it leads as a collective, like they collectively move together. And we need that. We need to A, collectively lead together. Um, and it's to our point of what we're talking about for women, it's typically led by a matriarch, right? right. Um, and so it's, you know, we've got a matriarch, we've got like this community. And what is their biggest part of their body? It's their ears, right? It's all about listening. Oh, that's it's good. It's all that's about good. really, truly listening. And it's about being able to sit there, like, you know, to, to the, your question earlier, Diane, about, um, you know, what's that crystal ball or what's out there? Like, nobody knows, but we all have to be actively listening and hearing and pivoting and changing, right? This is that year of there will be some changes and there will be some pivots and we just have to be ready for it. So, um, right. And it's so much fun, honestly. Oh my gosh. I feel like we're just creating our own reality here for sure. (laughs) You know, we're not sitting on the train. We're leading the train. Yeah. Without a doubt. Like an elephant. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. So if you know, you know, there's are so many women that are looking to go to board positions and so forth. And we have a woman on board program, which is fabulous that Melinda helps chair. And um, what would be some of your advice to them? Do they need to get their certification? Do they need to go through all of that um, to be prepped for the board? Uh, What is do you should they start with nonprofit and then go for corporate kind of kind of a synopsis of what you feel helped you and that others should look at? Yeah. And there's multiple perspectives on this. So I'll give you sort of my perspective on it, which is, you know, do you need to go through a formal program? So much of that would be based on your experience, right? Like how comfortable you feel in that board seat. So if you feel comfortable and you're going for a nonprofit, right? Do you feel comfortable in that? If you're going for a public board, is that someplace that you've either been involved with from an experience level and have that insight and have that exposure to, or is that completely new and novel? If it's new and novel, spend the time and energy to get that education, right? And go to some of these programs like the NACD or, um, you know, the a lot of the universities offer it. I know that Michelle Ashby is offering it as well. Um, I think that's one key thing, which is collect that information, right? And I subscribe to uh, quite a few different um, newsletters and such, such that, you know, I can spend the weekend after like a Sunday afternoon reading through things just to make sure that I've got my finger on the pulse. Um, so, you know, that education piece of it is really, as you feel, you need it. Um, the, there's the net, there's the value proposition, right? Really knowing who you are and like, what is that ad that you're going to give? Um, because the whole process is typically that you're meeting a number of people. You're meeting a CEO, you're meeting fellow board members. It really is a complimentary fit. So for instance, in our board, when we were adding new members, it was, I've got finance, we've got product, we've got finance, like what are those pieces that we need to bring on and add in? Um, And then the last one is really this idea of community and share your insights and share your interest with the community, right? Um, I can tell you even mine, mine is a unique story and how I got onto the WAC board in the sense that, you know, I probably have met with a ton of people like from a professional basis and shared that I wanted to do this. I happened to be sitting at, and I was in that mode and, and who knows what that time would be before I would have gotten on my first board. But I happened to be out to dinner with a friend of mine that I'd known personally, who was the GC of a public company. Just, you know, we were just chatting and, and, and I mentioned to her that this is what I was interested in. She goes, Oh my God, I've got somebody to introduce you to. 
I have somebody to introduce you to. And so she introduced me to Jocelyn and him for her. And then there was this opportunity and, you know, it just, you know, so much of it's timing, but it's introductions, but this was at a personal dinner, right. With a friend of mine who happened to just be in that same mode. She sits on a few boards as well. So it's ass. You know, I told my, I tell my kids, I've told them this since they were young. Um, you know, there's nobody who's going to be a better advocate for yourself than you. And you've got to ask. And if you don't ask, you're not going to get. So share that information and, you know, say what it is that you want. Right. Um, and obviously we do it in a, and we want to support each other. I think, you know, to our point of support, like bring somebody along on the journey. Right. And telling people that you want to be on a board. That's what I'm telling people now. You know, you want to be on a corporate board in 10 years, start now. So from the time you planted the seed in your head that you wanted to be on a corporate board until you had that, um, that, that dinner meeting fortuitously, a year, six months, five years? You know, from that, you know, if I go and take it back to when I was doing board presentations, you know, that's probably five years, right? So truth be told, like as you're prepping and as you're building your skill sets and going, hey, one day I want to be here, you know, I would give it about five years. But from the point where I just happen to dedicate time and energy and resources to it and say, hey, this is one of my goals um, and this is what I really want to work to and I'm going to spend that time and energy educating myself. Right. Um, I, I would give that about a year. Terrific. Yeah, that's good to know. Terrific. I think we are complete unless you have any other questions, Beth, that you would like to ask Melinda. Nope. We love Melinda. <laughs> love you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> we appreciate you so much. Melinda's a longtime C suite member and she's been on she is on our board and our advisory board and we just appreciate you. So thank you. Oh, this has been so much fun. Thank you, <laughs> Diane and Beth. Yes. And let's thank our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. And we're on LinkedIn Live. So thank you so much. And thank you to our sponsors, Google, the law firm of Paul Hastings, the law firm of Manette, City National Bank, nationally, advertising media and PR companies of Interpublic Group, IPG, and executive search and IT consulting firm, Amplify Professional Services. Beth, do you want to tell us about Spotify? Yeah. And so we're live streaming on LinkedIn, but you can also find all of our past podcasts. We have over three years worth of great executive women that we've interviewed. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you find your podcasts. Leave us a review. Go to social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. They're on YouTube. And then if you have interest, come join us. Join the community at www.csweet.org, C-S-W-E-E-T.org. And thank you and have a fantastic day. Thank you. Thank you again, Melinda. Thank you. Bye-bye.